0: You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the
1: can-eat-more... getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy
0: to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid
1: fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me.
0: Hello and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast. We read them so you don't have to, because we ran out of salt to throw in our own wounds. (laughs) My name is Kevin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Benedict, the only thing the UK has been able to export efficiently since Brexit. Benedict, (laughs) what's the last truly bad movie you watched all the way through? (sighs)
1: That's a good question. I don't actually know. I mean, so, okay, I, I need more categorization around the definition. Because. Just just movie. Are- it
0: doesn't have to be a like well regarded as as terrible. No, I, mean. I just mean a movie you put on, you started watching, you thought was crap, but you were determined to finish anyways.
1: But some some movies are like bad and know they're bad, and I love those movies. Yeah, those can be so good. like Zombievers <laughs> is a truly incredible bad movie. Yeah. But like yeah. aware self aware. Have you seen it?
0: I have not, but after hearing it's that incredible. name, I might have There's to. A
1: song, the theme song goes, Zombievers, <laughs> okay. Zombievers. I, I'm assuming I, I these are beavers the line, that are
0: zombies? That
1: they are zombie beavers, okay. but also if they bite you, you turn into a zombie beaver. So you start oh, growing these, these so zombies you as a human, and become a beaver.
0: If you're bitten by a zombie beaver, transform not only into a zombie, but also a beaver. That is important also information. Also a beaver a, zo- a I, zombie movie. Yeah, something I needed to know uh, to prepare for my life personally. But that so that's that, that's a that's a good bad movie though not like a yeah, bad Yeah and bad. I,
1: I have I have truly never been sold on a movie more by a single thing which was <laughs> tuning in to the end credits and hearing the theme song and then I was like I have to watch that movie <laughs> which has never happened with any other movie but it did for Zombievers so that's mine what's yours
0: Uh well just recently I watched the 2020 action classic or, sh- or soon to be classic no doubt uh Guns Akimbo starring oh. Daniel Radcliffe.
1: Oh wow, okay. Yeah.
0: Bad, bad,
1: really? bad movie. Daniel Radcliffe doesn't need to make bad movies. No, he doesn't what need does he to make any movies. He That's doesn't need true. to do
0: anything. He can live off residuals. That's all he needs to do with his life.
1: Harry Potter is always on a TV <laughs> channel. Like always.
0: No, yeah, he's absolutely fine. Uh, but he you know he is an artiste. He likes to still go out and do stuff. He's you know he's, he's keeping busy. Making sure he doesn't get too old, um, and he's had some good choices. He's also had some very bad choices, and this is just a movie where <laughs> he has guns bolted to his hands and has to oh. go kill people. Um, okay, it's it's trash. It's just a trash movie. I have a feeling like I don't know if he is he married or dating someone. Uh, whoever he's dating wanted yeah. a, a new boat. And so he's like, okay, I'll do this movie. Uh, That's the only way you get Daniel Radcliffe in this pile of garbage. But I started it, and I got ten minutes in, and I had the feeling of like, okay, this is going to be absolutely awful. But if this movie ends with a it's been revoked level end line, the whole thing could be worth it. It could be that level of trash movie where it throws out one good line, and I'm like, okay, this was worth watching. Sadly, no. it did not. It did not save itself in the end. Uh, so I just ended up watching that whole pile of crap for absolutely no reason.
1: Who else is in it?
0: A uh, bunch of nobodies. I don't know. I can't think of anybody whose face I actually recognized. It's mainly just Daniel Radcliffe. Maybe That's like right. the the main female protagonist who's like trying to kill him. But she had so much, you know, makeup and tattoos on her face that I don't know who she is. And I didn't bother to watch the credits that closely. Because
1: that wasn't a great... Credit song no, this, this isn't one of the movies where I got movie? deep
0: into the Wikipedia page and was trying to find out everything about it that I could. No, this is just a, a very much a passive-watching experience.
1: All right. Was it, did you pay for this? Or you just put it No,
0: up? no. This, I think, was on Amazon Prime. So, no. Okay. I mean, in a way, I guess I did pay for it, as well as yeah. all those poor Amazon workers peeing in, in bags. But, uh, <laughs> no, I didn't it pay has for a, that
1: a piece 50, crap. 51% on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Pretty sure that's not fresh.
1: No, mm, yeah, it's kind of fresh. It, it's is not it? semi-fresh. Zombievers, on the are. other hand, has 70% on Rotten Steve, Tomatoes. there you go.
0: I should have watched Zombievers instead. I
1: absolutely should have watched <laughs> Everybody, Bill Burr is randomly in it, which I had forgotten. What? <laughs> he's in it for it. like a minute. He just does a cameo as, uh, I forget, he's like a... Hun- as Bill uh, Burr. A he's a just man. Bill Burr. Also, yeah, probably. The
0: only character he ever plays is that's Bill Burr. True.
1: That's true. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. i first watched Zombies, and I should get royalties for sending people okay. that way.
0: Well, Benenect, uh, you may know, but perhaps our listeners, maybe some new ones out there, they may not know exactly what this is. This is, of course, the TV show, the, the radio show, the TV podcast, show? whatever not... we are. We're, <laughs> we're, the we're different things. We're different things to different people. That's all I'm getting at. Where we dig down deep, 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 deep. To the back of the fridge to try and find the one the one lonely cold <laughs> beverage left after we left like the fridge door curly. open overnight. One the one cold beverage. <laughs> the one cold refreshing beverage left after we forgot to close the fridge door overnight okay. and everything warmed and spoiled of right wing thought. Mm. All of that all of that of right-wing thought. That's what we're here looking for. We have, we have for. yet
1: to find it. The fridge has been open for <laughs> we years. We have
0: yet. Yes, and we are not given that this week. We do not find that cold, refreshing <laughs> The fridge is actually on week. fire. The
1: fridge is broken. It's been on fire. <laughs> right. There's no cold beverages in there.
0: No, no, indeed, there is not. But to start us off this week, do you have a hot take for us?
1: I do. And it is that the 8 a.m. vaccine thing is stressing me out. <laughs> oh, the, the, the people that I'm... It, Instead of Are like you stressed normal... out by the fact
0: that they open at eight AM? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Because it's not like a okay. normal like trial of strength where I can stay up till midnight <laughs> and book a book an appointment at midnight. But I can I have to do it at eight AM when everyone's awake and everyone's online. It's too stressful. I don't like it. It should be midnight like a normal person. At
0: uh, midnight like a normal person. I yep. like the idea. Exactly. I think there that's you more of my, my type of normal person. I don't know if that's everyone
1: else. 4am like normal a normal person. person is your type of normal person, Kevin. Let's not lie. <sighs>
0: yeah. uh, I, I woke up about an hour before we started recording today. <laughs> Good stuff. After it a is brief interlude firmly, being The sun
1: awake, is firmly down, just for, <laughs> for everyone's context there. I
0: had a brief interlude of awakeness during the day for classes and then back to sleep because I'm, I'm I, my clock is all screwed up. My internal clock is, is just jacked um by a mixture of you know quarantine life and uh constantly doing all my work after the sun has gone down so that every day I just creep an hour later before I go to sleep and then eventually I'm just flipped. I'm just flipped upside down um and I, I gotta I gotta fix that. I gotta find a way to fix that.
1: Sure. What's your hot take though?
0: My hot take for this week uh is that Benedict I'm not sure which one of the Top Gear guys is a douchebag,
1: or all are all them. three of them a douchebag? Yeah, bag? kind of all of them. I
0: think all three of them suck.
1: Two of two of them <laughs> definitely. One of them's more up for up for debate.
0: Yeah, uh, pretty sure James May is, is right. Isn't he the worst one? And then no, there's Jeremy like, uh, Clarkson's the worst. One. Okay, James Jeremy May Clarkson's actually the worst okay. One. Okay, Jeremy May's okay, and then James the Richard May, guy. He, yeah. He's
1: just yeah, he's just small and fine. The Richard watching.
0: guy we don't we don't care about,
1: um, but I think my point
0: is I don't understand watching car shows and stuff.
1: Oh, okay. I just don't get it.
0: Yeah, um, and that was just because I I used to watch that stuff. I really did when I was a mechanic and when I was a little younger. I would watch car shows that were all about yeah this car is this fast and this car is this fast and and now I just don't care. I don't yeah, understand. I... I'm unable to understand what I once saw in that. Because no, I'm I, never going to be able to have those cars. I told you what the,
1: the, the fastest cars of 2014 <laughs> were. I, those were firmly imprinted on my memory. But yeah, you're right. I haven't watched it since.
0: Yeah, I tried to watch an episode of Top Gear, and I was just like, ah, I, I I don't like any of these people, and I don't like this show.
1: Well, it's different hosts now. I think Matt LeBlanc does it now. <laughs> well, weirdly. no, I,
0: I didn't. Okay, I didn't watch Top Gear. I watched the new... Um, Jeremy Clarkson and all uh, them, the, the, the whatever principal? they changed after the they got tour. kicked off the, the yes. Tour, yes, after they got kicked off the BBC, uh, they started doing that. And that's what I try, because, and this is going to come up in our, actually, Let's just do this right now. Let's go to the bookshelf. Benedict. I'll start with mine. I got stuck because I, I decided to take a break from anime, the, the year of the anime, that right? I can't right. just, because I, in the first three months of this year, I have binge watched a lot of anime, mm. a lot because this is what I've dedicated my year to, to getting deep into. But I, Kevin but I also a made
1: me watch a bunch. Which you so watched
0: big. three episodes. I watched so four
1: far. episodes. actually. Oh, nice,
0: nice. We're going to be talking about that on the patron only. I'm excited.
1: I'm not. <laughs> uh, but Kevin made I, me watch Power way, Rangers. I, I mean, Neon mention- Genesis Evangelion. <laughs>
0: I should mention, right? Of course, once again, we are late with the patron no, only. We're not. Our we're patrons fine. know us by now that generally you're going to get your patron only in the beginning of the next month. <laughs> you
1: look, you'll get what you're given. Thank you yeah. for being a patron. <laughs> but-,
0: <laughs> but thank you for being our patrons. We'll get it to you when we can. Uh, but so I, I went down the sort of you know, thank, thank, thank God, Amazon is there with. All of the television nobody would ever think to watch, or make the documentaries. Yeah, watch or make. For some reason, Amazon puts it up for free on Prime. I found a little show that I don't even understand why I watched it, <laughs> but once I did, I became hooked. I was unable to stop. It is called Edwardian
1: Farm. Sounds amazing.
0: It is. Just- I know
1: exactly what it is just from the title. <laughs>
0: It's a BBC Two show that is literally just two archaeologists and a historian who lived on a farm as though it was 1910 for a year.
1: Just so that so that everyone has how I'm imagining this in my head, it's the episode of Parks and Rec with Patton Oswalt on it. Yes. Where he's just churning yes. butter and is like a <laughs> champ at it.
0: Hoop and a stick.
1: Hoop and a stick. Yes, that's exactly what it is.
0: <laughs> it was, okay, this show, A- it's fucking amazing. It's the most British thing I've ever seen. No, it's not I, mean, I am. No, you do not even say in it as much as in these it. people. In wow. it. I feel like that's the the phrase you have to say constantly to truly be British. But they make cheese, they raise goats. They build a, a pile of hay. They, they sow, build a pile they of s- hay, wow. They, they sow grain in a field and reap it the next year when it's when it comes due. What do they make these people do this for? They did it for a year. They oh literally did gosh. it for a whole year. And I don't know if they were, like, actually sleeping every night on the farm. I have a feeling they probably weren't, because who the fuck would want to do that, for real? And there was only, like, one bedroom on this farm and three people, none of whom are in a relationship with each other. So I have a feeling they're probably, like, eh, strolling down the street to their hotel every night rather than (laughs) staying on this farm and, you know, going
1: home for holidays and whatnot. They're not rising with the cock's crow, like... But it is
0: remarkable how much effort they put in. Because they actually, like, they built structures and tools and all this stuff, which I desperately want to do myself now. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> I got hooked on this show. And, A, it is, it is absolutely dumb the dumbest thing possible to me that you named a time period the Edwardian period. Why? Basically saying, ah, we don't want to tell this guy we really cared about his mom and not him. Right, that was that it's was just a nice gesture. quite funny because
1: we did have eight Edwards, so it's just like which Edward, <laughs> <Yeah>. did, like.
0: <laughs> right, it was just like ten years, 1901 to the beginning of the the First World
1: War. Yeah,
0: makes I mean, no there was, sense.
1: There was genuinely quite a big change, like because industrialization and like the Victorian era is like a very.
0: You could have just
1: said, ah, it's it's
0: Victorian period part two. You could have just called it that. Victorian era, yeah. Nobody gave a shit post- who Edward was. Nobody I mean, gave a shit. Uh, but anyways. This show I'm obsessed with, and it is part of a series in which there's also Victorian Farm, mm. uh, Tudor Monastery Farm. Oh, wow. Uh, I think Tales <laughs> Halfway from the Halfway through that, Valley.
1: does Henry the Eighth's troops come and steal your <laughs> shit? Is that... <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but they do, like, it was great because they had, like, they had, like this fake monastery at some place in the UK where they were at, and, like, they had all the old Catholic shit on the walls, and all these, these people, they're probably, like, Protestants, and they're just like, yeah, eventually we got rid of all this shit. <laughs> it was great. And, like, they're doing that thing where, as someone who grew up Catholic, I can completely tell when someone is talking about saints and all that stuff who's not Catholic mm. and doesn't get it. So... I absolutely love these shows. I've watched them all now. The only thing I'm really mad about is that Amazon doesn't have Wartime Farm on Prime. Oh, wow. It covers you know, World War II era, so I'm a little pissed off about that, okay, but we'll okay. see. Maybe they'll add it someday.
1: We can, we can only hope.
0: <laughs> What's on your bookshelf this on week? On my
1: bookshelf this week is not actually a book I'm reading, but a book my wife is reading called The Mountains Sing, which is about Vietnam. And like the 20th century, a family in 20th century Vietnam telling the story through various different viewpoints. Uh, I don't know much about it beyond that, but it is apparently really good. So we thoroughly recommend that from the Nick, from, from, <laughs> I'm going to start that again and not put my surname in it. We thoroughly, <laughs> we thoroughly recommend that from our household to you.
0: So when someone reads it and it's crap, they can blame your wife instead of you. This sure. Time. Yeah.
1: Direct or hate mail to Kevin's inbox.
0: That's where it all goes anyway. It does. (laughs) But anyways, a little bit of housekeeping this week. Of course, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. Follow us on all the social medias, on Twitter and Facebook. And share the show with everyone you know. Let them know how great we are. But, with all that out of the way, we return to our book review of Arguing with Socialists by Glenn Beck, the man who taught Tucker Carlson his trademark perplexed stare. (laughs) Benedict! What did we read this week?
1: This week we were, we read chapter four, in which Glenn complains a lot, but in bullet points this time.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much the gist of every chapter, if we're going to be honest about it. It's a lot of complaining. Uh, do you have an alternate chapter title I for I do. Us this week?
1: It's Glenn's Little Black Book, which Ooh, I was quite proud very of.
0: Very nice. Very nice. My alternate chapter title this week: "Capitalism is Socialism," because he starts off this chapter.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that was really weird. I forgot giving that he did us that. an
0: example of something that is capitalism and complaining about how it's a terrible example of socialism's failures.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah. Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But... We'll get to it. But we have
0: to start before we get to that. Sure right? We, we always do. have to start with our cartoon um and benedict would you like to t- take a hand at explaining the cartoon this sure, week
1: yeah i can do that so it's a, a ca- bad caricatures as ever of elizabeth warren and ilhan omar um yep. elizabeth warren in native american garb yeah always as you would expect i don't think um, she's
0: ever been portrayed without the the little feather and the the lines drawn on her face in any of the that- cartoons we've seen
1: That's true. So, uh, it's them on a a pulpit uh, with a couple of mics and Elizabeth Warren is saying, at a certain point, you've made enough money and Ilhan Omar saying, billionaires are disgusting. Both of which Perfectly reasonable sentiments, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then it's them, I think, in front of the rich people's mega yacht who are having like a champagne party and showing <laughs> how they have too much money.
0: Yep. Um, it's so, Omarosa and uh, Uncle Pennybags from Monopoly is, is my guess. But who with a, with to a be. monocle.
1: With a monocle. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's li-
1: legitimately they what they, they your... look like. Yep. Yep. Um, so they're, they're picketing that anyway. Picketing the what looks to be about a 350-foot yacht, to be honest. If you look at the size of the front of the yacht, it's a very big Benedict, yacht.
0: Benedict, how much experience do you have in estimating the size of yachts?
1: Not not a great deal, but probably more than some people.
0: Not as much as Don Jr., certainly. No, certainly not.
1: And so I've certainly never reversed a yacht into a parking spot, I have to say. And so anyway, the, Warren and O'Mara are picketing that with the no more billionaires and tax the wealthy signs, which again, very reasonable sentiments. Um mm. So then one year later, somehow they're on the yacht somehow because we know that taxes go directly into Elizabeth Warren's pocket specifically.
0: Yes. Um, And and Ilhan Omar, by the way, is now sporting some serious bling. Uh, Well, Liz holds a martini glass there on top of the boat. So
1: they they can't even afford champagne, even with all the taxes. No. Um, And then you've got Uncle Pennybags, as you referred to him, uh, with a very tattered hat but he still has his monocle and he can clearly still shave um but he has a slightly longer mustache i suppose um and he's holding a sign saying taxation is theft and then uh the other person who does not look like Omarosa in this picture saying we are not atm machines and then there's someone else out of shot holding a sign that says taxes too much which I assume says taxes too much, but whatever. And then for some reason, I guess because he didn't pay his taxes, Uncle Pennybags is then in jail at the end uh, with a a speech bubble that says, land of the free, question mark. So I'm pretty sure he's what's actually, happened is... <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's
0: actually in jail because he spoke up against taxes.
1: Possibly, possibly. I,
0: I think that's the implication of anyway, what's going on there. Anyway, what's
1: happened here is Glenn has invented a completely invented scenario in mm-hmm. his head. And then got mad about it. That's mm-hmm. what, that's what's like, none of this has happened or what will happen or like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about?
0: Do you think we're we're not even capable of putting cops who murder black people in jail? You think we can put Jeff Bezos in prison? No, no it's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> no, because he will get on his yacht and be like, "I'm in international waters, bitches. That's can't get me here. No extradition treaty with international waters. That's how that works." Yeah, let's right?
0: be honest. Jeff Bezos probably has a boat that could take on the U.S. Navy. Have if he you so seen decided Jeff to.
1: Bezos's boat?
0: No, I haven't. It's Does
1: ridiculous. It? Everyone go look at Jeff Bezos's boat. It puts this boat to shame.
0: Jeff Bezos just buying uh, old, unused aircraft carriers and
1: refitting them for service. It's like a triple-decker boat. I'm not kidding. Jesus
0: Christ. Uh, But let's be fair. Everyone likes boats. Big boats are cool. Big boats sure. are really cool. I would love to have a really big boat. Kevin uh, likes
1: big boats, and he cannot lie. Either.
0: I I do indeed. I do it. That's why I'm still hurt over our dear friend, the ever given. Uh,
1: <laughs> that was so funny.
0: Becoming free like <laughs> Willie. The memes, like the memes uh, <laughs> oh, wow.
1: <laughs> the means for that were incredible. Okay, I'm just going to send you a link to Jeff Bezos's boat. One second. Okay. So I, I guess need you. I, I need to you to this. see this and and react to it.
0: Well, I mean. That's what I do best, obviously, is is yeah, live on air reactions. I, just,
1: I texted it to you.
0: It's what I'm known for, uh, really. If we're going to be honest about my position in this show, so this is uh, you just sent me something from Twitter, uh, and
1: uh, it's it's advocating uh, it, it increasing illegal union. Okay, busting Okay, because penalties. I saw
0: I saw what it said, it said increase illegal union busting penalties. All uh, right, take Jeff, and then take Jeff Bezos's boat, and then holy mother! Are <laughs> right. you sure that's not a cruise ship? <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure I've been on smaller Carnival cruises than that. Go. That that's a boat that has a helicopter on it. That yeah. boat has a that's that's just like the the Wolf of Wall Street boat is all that is. Yeah. By the way, yeah. the Wolf of Wall Street boat, real boat, uh, that is still I think it's somebody's boat. I don't remember who it is. But I remember at one point I looked it up and it's like some some shitbag owns that boat now. <laughs> Good stuff.
1: Anyways, Good stuff. yeah. Anyway, that's Jeff Bezos' boat. So Can't
0: confirm. Jeff Bezos has one hell of a boat. And you know what? I'm going to say probably shouldn't have that boat. Or maybe he just gets to have... Here's the problem. He probably has... Ten of those boats. Yeah. Because as we know, Betsy DeVos has a dozen of those boats.
1: Yeah, look, that's the boat he dozen. wants you to know about. Yeah, that's the boat yeah. that he's like, yeah, that's my boat, my only boat. He, yeah. he has a secret boat in like an underground lagoon somewhere <laughs> that is fucking enormous. It's
0: the escape boat, it's the apocalypse boat. You know he the has the an one.
1: escape boat.
0: I'm hundred percent sure he has an escape boat. So, anyways, back to the chapter, the beginning of this chapter we start off this one this time with a Winston Churchill. Can part. I do it in the voice? Yes. I was going to ask you to do it. So go ahead.
1: <laughs> the inherent vice of capitalism is the unequal share of blessings. The inherent virtue of socialism is the equal sharing of miseries.
0: Mm, bravo. I think you could have put a little bit more potato salad in your cheeks. Oh, come to get on. The- I
1: did good. That was good. <laughs> that was good for on the fly.
0: Yeah. That was pretty good. That was not bad yes we're starting off here with a Winston Churchill quote because if Churchill said it it's true we we know, Absolutely. How, we know how fact works uh, and there is next to that a picture of him throwing up a peace sign which I found amusing I don't it doesn't know if look based, anything like
1: Churchill by the way yeah, I feel Looks like there is a real. Nothing like Churchill. I,
0: I feel like I know that there is in the back of my mind. I know that there is a real picture of Churchill throwing up a peace. Oh, sign. he did it
1: all the time. Yeah, it was V for yeah. victory. It was like he he That's did it. Right. it was yeah. His whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. it it has a double meaning in the UK because that that gesture in the UK is like a middle finger. As well. really? Yeah, yeah. The if it like if peace. The, throw it up peace. No, so yeah, no. But if the back is facing to you, it's like a middle finger. If the front is facing to you, it's the peace sign in the UK. But if it's okay. if it's the other way around with the the backs of the fingers facing you, like the middle finger would be, it's it's uh, it's like swearing at someone.
0: Well, that seems dumb to me. We already have a middle finger. I don't well, know why we need two more.
1: Well, it's because uh, it's allegedly okay. History lesson that because be,
0: Churchill's a dick and nobody liked him. No,
1: I it. no, no. It may be apocryphal, but the rumor is that it comes from the Battle of Agincourt in 1415. <laughs> Of course um, it does. Where, where, where else wherein, would it come from? Wherein the English won that battle because they had a bunch of really good archers, and the French, <laughs> the French essentially got stuck in the mud. And allegedly, what happened was when when the Brits won the battle, I think I think the French were like chopping their fingers off or something, so that they couldn't fire bows anymore. But then it was it was like an up yours gesture, like I've still got my two bow firing fingers. So. Jesus Christ! Okay, I believe that. And I, I mean, I, it certainly <laughs> could be true. I don't know that it is true. I but hope it could it's be. true. I hope
0: that's the true reason for it. Anyways, we start off this chapter in July first, sixteen twenty, when a hundred and two men, women, and children were finally getting ready to sail across the ocean to the United States, which, of course, as we know, that time was an unspoiled, undiscovered land with no one there <laughs> who would who would oppose someone coming over to take some of that land.
1: Glenn, Glenn really paints a picture in this first Yes, picture. he does
0: paint. He spends quite a while painting a picture on these first couple of pages because he's talking, of course, about the Puritans who are about to sail over and land at Plymouth Rock uh, aboard the Mayflower and begin their life of terrible failure in the United States. <laughs> Pretty much. And... The reason he's introducing this story is to tell us this new, undis- apparently this undiscovered reason for their failure, which no one but Glenn has been able to discern until now, which is that, in fact, the Pilgrims failed because of socialism.
1: Sure. Yeah. Before before capitalism even existed, the Pilgrims <laughs> but, failed because of socialism, which was exists as a reaction to capitalism.
0: Yes, yes. So, in fact, what happened in this case, as he will tell us, is that... And I you know, I would say, you're right, capitalism didn't really exist at the time of the 1600s. But there was proto-capitalism. There's
1: there were- capital. Capital existed. Capital has always existed. But capitalism as a system doesn't really exist until the early Industrial Revolution, maybe right. a little well, before But I that. would
0: actually say that this form of capitalism is closer to Glenn Beck's pure capitalism yeah. that he always yeah. talks about than anything that comes later. Because you don't have... The effect of wealthy landlords interfering with the government to get rules and regulations and laws that benefit them. You just mm-hmm. have these contractual relationships that yeah, Glenn thinks are so Yeah, it's a free, free so market
1: important. system. It's Very a, I much. W- I wouldn't call it capitalism, but it's a free market system. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And so what happened in this case, and if you don't know this story, this is actually true. A little bit of what he writes about here, where the Puritans were not financing their own voyage they did not have the money to come over to the New World. They just did not because they were just a bunch of Puritans who didn't do much, didn't have much going for them in the UK. And, of course, there was a bit of persecution going on, Mm -hmm. given that this is the time of the Reformation. The Puritans, there were two camps of them, those who believed that the uh, church in England was remaining too close to the Roman Catholic Church and those who thought they should just break off and form a new church all their own. And the ones who ended up coming to the United States were those who thought, well, we should just go start our new thing. And, of course, the English church did not like that very much. So at this time, they didn't have the money to come over to the United States. So they made an agreement with an organization called, I believe, the... Adventurer's Guild, which I I wish there was an Adventurer's Guild today. Yeah, it sounds very
1: Elder Scrolls-y, doesn't it?
0: It does! It absolutely does. Like, if they were doing you know, voyages to the Antarctic and things these days, I'd be all on board for an Adventurer's Guild. That sounds wonderful to me. I'd be absolutely in for it. So they made a deal with the Adventurer's Guild, and this was a contractual relationship. (laughs) <laughs> whereby everything that the pilgrims created, everything they grew, everything they made while they were in the New World, would be combined and be communally owned so that at the end of the, I believe it was a nine or a 10 year period, it could be divided and the portion that the Adventurers Guild owned by merit of being the investors by giving the capital up front could be given to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's this capital
1: arrangement. And Glenn Beck. I mean, this this is literally how investing works.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's literally an investment. And Glenn spends about five pages trying to portray this as socialism, completely ignoring along the way the many other reasons why the Pilgrims failed. Because it's really hard
1: to start a colony from scratch. It's really difficult.
0: Right. He really glosses over the fact that they didn't know anything about farming
1: Massachusetts, where it's fucking (laughs) freezing for half of the year.
0: Right. And be, Right, so there's, there's this whole thing where beyond just not knowing about the local area and the local vegetables and fruits and things, the pilgrims who came over just didn't know Jack. They didn't have useful skills. This was a religious community yeah. <laughs> who hadn't been homesteading before. Most of them had fled from the cities. They didn't have the sort of skills you needed to make it. So until around 1623, when reinforcements came, a new group of about 100 people, as well as their first delivery of cattle to the New World, I should stop calling it the New World, the North America. Um, and that's when they were really suffering, and finally they made it around 1623. That also happens to be the time when they decided to break their agreement with the Adventurers Guild, because, of course, they were getting screwed on that deal.
1: Yeah. They didn't have control because over their own Because screws people.
0: Right! That's exactly the point! It's literally what you have when in 16, I think it was 1623, they break the deal and start just giving land to the individual settlers and things. Yep. You have the Plymouth settlers seizing something? Benedict, uh, the means they... of production. It's the means yes, of production, they're Kevin. seizing that's the they're means seizing. of
1: production. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep. We got it. And we're like, screw you. We're not making money for you anymore. Invest- yes. Anonymous investor who is not even here. <laughs> oh, that sounds, whoa, that's familiar. All right, okay. Right. He conveniently wants you to think that this was some
0: socialist utopia idea that was put together and everyone was rebelling against it uh, and going to capitalism. That's what saved them in the end. We we also have some, some brain dumps thrown in here. Yep. Uh, we have a Lots ghost of Karl. Lots of ghosts Karl.
1: of Karl Marx. Yeah, there's three, actually.
0: Lots of ghosts of Karl. Karl, of course, at the beginning of the description, he's very happy. He's excited about where things are going because we know Karl Marx...
1: Loves loves capital investment. Glenn
0: Beck's vague descriptions of non-socialism. And then when Glenn says they were saved by capitalism, uh, Ghost Carl gets mad, all that sorts of stuff. Um, So we get to our first tweet of the chapter from Neil DiCaprio Cortez at Green New Neil, uh, where he says, quote, that's just not true, Glenn Beck. There, and this is in response to uh, Glenn saying, So why would you or anyone else for that matter support an idea with such a remarkably bad track record? Referring to socialism. Where a Green New Neil says, That's just not true, Glenn Beck. There are the Scandinavian socialist nations of Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. And once again, we have to address the fact that, in fact, the Sweden, Norway, Denmark, that sort of thing, as well as, you know, things that go on in the UK and France and mm-hmm. Germany, that's what people who call themselves socialists in the United States generally really want.
1: Democratic socialists, yeah. Social Democrats, democratic socialists. It's, Absolutely. It's a similar thing, yeah.
0: It's the main idea. Glenn, of course, is unable to comprehend that and is still pretending as though everyone is a Chairman Mao in and of themselves. So... But he's going to right here start off with what we heard a little bit before, I think in chapter two or chapter three, where he's denying that Scandinavian socialism is even socialism to begin with.
1: Yeah. And he promises we'll get to that in the next chapter, which I'm excited about.
0: I am as well. But I do have to just point out, right? Okay, then, Glenn, if it's not socialism, let us do that. Yeah. Just stop complaining when we want to do that. But Glenn, you still scream socialism when we try to do the Norway. So you do believe it's socialism. I don't believe you when you say it's not actually socialism. Because when we try and do the Norway, you scream socialism. Norway has universal health Yeah,
1: It's a cudgel that he uses against it, if nothing else.
0: Absolutely, but it's the faux independence he's starting out oh, yeah, with. Always. It's a little bit of the faux independence. So he he throws aside that example of Scandinavia, and he moves on with uh, Professor Tweed introducing another, he asks, what are more examples that you have to himself? Again, because these are not real tweets. So Professor Tweed chimes in uh, and tells him, well, there's also the Paris Commune of the 19th century. No one denies that this is an example of socialism. Do you know anything about the Paris Commune?
1: Yeah, it didn't last very long, but it's a pretty no. famous example of of, the, of of you know workers and communists and people working together to try and seize right. seize control of one of France's major cities. They got obliterated by the army.
0: <laughs> right, and that's that's the great thing is that Glenn acknowledges that whole little bit of history. So the Paris Commune lasted for like seventy something days. And I think it's in, yeah, Professor Tweed says, 72 days. Because uh, Glenn is writing this, this great exchange where he gets to have these witty comebacks, right? So he asks, how long does it last? And Professor Tweed, 72 days. Uh, and then he has a bunch of sarcasm, because of course he has to. And he even points out, Glenn points out, that 72 days later, after it began, it came to a violent end when the German army and the French army marched into Paris and slaughtered a bunch of them. So this is Glenn's example for why socialism doesn't work. It's because, it's because capitalism murders comes them. And murder- yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. By the way, I do th- I do find it uh, when he's throwing out that example, Glenn Beck unquestionably. If you say the word France, screams socialism and poops himself. Uh, sure. So again, it's another example of Glenn thinks France is socialist. So why are you denying that socialism exists? continuously in this it's world. also
1: like when he's like "Ah, oh, yes i forgot about the commune of paris a success story so famous almost no one has ever heard of it it's pretty like that is an indictment of the american education system rather than anything else if you think people haven't <laughs> heard of the paris commune i mean genuinely how much european history do you do and i i not even not european much history not world much. world history do you we really do don't in, do all that much yeah i don't think i i don't think Commune.
0: I don't think I knew about Par- the Paris Commune until I did like an uh, honors history course in college. Okay. An honors, um, you know, history of Western civilization part two in college. I don't think that's... A, a, two, not-
1: a 201 level course? Yeah. A little yeah. Cheeky? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. What, what history did you study at school? In So, my
0: recollection of American elementary and high school... Uh, several courses on American history. Mm-hmm. And, and generally, that's a whole year, right? So just for the whole year, you're doing American history. Uh, so I, I recall in fourth grade, we did, like, the state history. So we did California. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, we, you know, I'm from Sacramento, so we went to Sutter's Fort, which is in the middle of uh, our capital, and uh, spent a night there, did all that fun stuff. <clears throat> and then every year, I, I only remember one year where we did world history, which I think was, like, sixth or seventh grade. Okay. And it was just, you know, basic overview in elementary school. So World War One, World War Two, a little bit of the Napoleonic Wars, and then everything forward until present day. Okay. And then in high school, I stopped paying attention and trying. So I couldn't tell you very much.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So we did, um, I mean, we did the Romans and then the Saxons and then the Vikings, which were all people, like when I was in, like, junior school, is that what you call it? Mm-hmm. Primary school? Sure. Elementary school? Sure. Whatever. Um, and then middle school, we did like, I guess we did the Tudors and the Stuarts. So like Henry VIII, so all British history again. And then we did World War One, World War, no, we did World War One, And then I stopped doing history class and just started reading my own history stuff. Um, but I know everyone else did like, the, then went on to do like the New Deal and the Great Depression, World War Two, and then into like, I guess, more specific British history of like, gladstone and Disraeli and some of like the the major political figures robert peel and stuff so yeah, but again, i have like, no
0: doubt that you in the uk and in europe that you you get a better idea of world history than well, we get in the united we states certainly we focus
1: we get more of an idea like, just because we do some american history as well mm-hmm. so we get some like transatlantic history but the, the, i mean there's still a lot we don't cover like the the whole fucking slave trade we barely touch on um, yeah. like british colonialism don't touch on it really like <laughs> not great so we're subject yeah not great um no. so yeah it's a it's a whole a whole thing but it it, it is interesting I, I would imagine we have a slightly more rounded view than americans but not much
0: probably okay so we move on anyway a bit sorry in this
1: it's a sidetrack <laughs> i
0: get it so we move on a little bit in this chapter and he's going to now introduce us to how Socialist Revolutions Work. In ten parts. Oh, I couldn't even this read this. Is,
1: I was like, this is fucking stupid. It's also in black and white, so it just really hurts uh, my eyes to look at. So I, I, yeah, I will be reacting pages. to this for the first time now.
0: It's those, it's those dark pages where it's a pain in the ass for me because I have to find that white pen that I bought just for writing on these stupid dark pages. Remember where the hell I put it. But so phase one. Of socialist revolutions. Quote, At least one group of people, usually those in society with relatively little wealth, are convinced by a handful of charismatic leaders that life would be oh so much better if they were in charge rather than whoever has most of the political power at the time.
1: So Donald Trump. Okay, carry on.
0: Sure, sure. He's also leading out the the economic power portion of the component there, which I think he would agree is an important part of a socialist revolution. Phase two. Those disenfranchised people seize power, often by winning democratically held elections, and they appoint their charismatic leaders to the highest positions of power. The funny part to me is that in all the examples we get post this, there's only like two that involved a democratic election.
1: Oh yeah, like all the examples he gives about all the murder and destruction yeah, are like... All military in, coups. Yeah, in the midst of civil war. Yeah. Like, we'll get Very to good, it. very good stuff. Phase three.
0: The shiny new socialist government steals wealth and property away from everyone who has it. Pay your fair share, Grandma. So they tax the actual people. Quote
1: yeah. the actual quote he wrote it is, in there. Yeah. <laughs> but they tax people is what he's saying.
0: Yes, taxes, taxation is theft, as you know. Uh, Or, you know, in some we've talked about in some some socialist revolutions, of course, they do literally take property away. Oh, yeah. Uh, Right. Of course, again, we have to emphasize that's not what any of the democratic socialists in the U.S. want. Also,
1: not necessarily like we're not saying that we want that also. No, absolutely not. Necessarily. Depends how bad it gets out No, we
0: we are not tankies. Uh, (laughs) You get a little closer to it every day. (laughs) (laughs) Phase four. Those who have had their property and wealth taken away from them get very angry because, you know, they've been totally screwed in the name of fairness. So, they form the Contras, I guess? I don't know. I guess, yeah. Uh, Phase five. Actually, you know, the Contras formed by government funding coming from the United States. Yeah, yeah,
1: he leaves the U.S. out of this dramatically well. He leaves
0: out all the, the U.S. opposition, which leads to a lot of the violence along the later parts. Phase five. Opposition against the new socialist regime grows. Phase 6. Socialist regime decides to silence its critics, often labeling them saboteurs and scapegoating them for all the country's problems. The regime typically deals with these troublemakers by expelling them from their country or throwing them in jail and then at the end, the socialist regime also eliminates all what? gun rights.
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? It's always that la- about that fucking last bit is weird. guns. Also, I mean that's just how any regime deal any authoritarian regime deals with dissent. That is not unique to socialist authoritarianism.
0: Right, but it, it literally doesn't even apply in a lot of cases, right? He, no. The ones I mean, he can, you can point to are what? Examples. Like fucking Venezuela, where uh he, Dinesh's little friend uh in the documentary came from, and uh, they always try and say Nazi Germany. We're gonna get to Nazi Germany because again, yep. we have the same old. The S stands for so, or the Z stands for socialism, right? Whatever the <laughs> fuck. We're gonna get that argument a little later in this chapter. Oh, uh, every but again, time.
1: Every they didn't take part.
0: away all the guns. They just took away guns from some Jews and that yeah, we'll get to that. Part 7. In resistance to the growing wave of tyranny and violence on the part of the new socialist regime, people take to the streets and protest. Many people who once supported the socialist regime realize that yeah, they probably made a big mistake. Sure. Phase Phase 8. Socialist regime goes fearful of revolution so it starts to imprison and kill even more people. Part 9. Lots of people are murdered, imprisoned. This is the same. Yeah, he just wanted 10.
1: He wanted 10 bullet points. (laughs) He
0: just wanted, yeah, he wanted to get to 10. And number 10, tyranny lasts for years or even decades until another revolution finally overthrows the socialist regime. Think fall of the Berlin Wall. And then we get a brain dump below that, which I think its inclusion on this page next to the socialist revolution thing is enlightening because it says evolution of political correctness. I, and then, What? <laughs> and has four stages. One, suggest. Two, shout. Three, shove. Four, shoot. Good stuff. That's how political correctness works. Jesus Christ, he's so fucking deluded. I, of, I often wonder with a lot of our writers whether they believe the crap they're saying. Because it is so ridiculous on a bunch of levels. Yeah, it's and often, very silly. Often with the more intelligent ones, the Ben Shapiros, I'm less likely to think they actually believe it and they're more being opportunist because they're too smart to believe the bullshit they're saying. But with a Glenn Beck, I'm up in the air on how deep down the rabbit hole he actually is. It's unclear. Because he's not a particularly intelligent person. He's just a great grifter, which has got him where he is today.
1: Yeah. Somebody, yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's um, oh, yeah, it's very frustrating. And also, did, frustrating. did you did you mention that there's a Hitler picture on the the bra- evolution of political correctness side? Oh.
0: oh yes, I I forgot to mention on the brain dump. Of course, there's a Hitler picture because that was
1: that you was know Hitler was just very politically correct. He was yep. just political correctness gone wild, old Adolf.
0: It is astonishing to me when people equate Nazis with political correctness. When literally, like. Saying you can't say <laughs> the Jews did all the wars <laughs> is the fucking, that's political correctness, bro. That's what you're arguing yep, against, that's right? That's right. Demeaning groups of people. That's something we are against. That's mm-hmm. that political correctness. Generally, yep. You're griping
1: Don't about. Don't want that. That's bad.
0: So we get the next tweet of the chapter, which is from Professor Tweed. And he says, quote, I admit that this has occurred. Of course, Glenn's masterful arguments have made this professor back down, but it's rare. Only in a few occasions will you find really tragic examples of socialist revolutions following this pattern. To which Glenn says, Really? Oh yeah, I'll show you just a few. I'll show you. And then we get to basically the rest of the chapter, which is his lists of examples.
1: Okay, but whisper it quietly, but it it, it is only a few. It's like a half dozen. <laughs> like really which is. is not to like say that they're not i mean real examples but some of them i mean are tenuous well, some of them as we'll get to are deeply flawed examples and almost yeah, because none they're of them mostly out of civil wars like they right. mostly are unfinished civil wars that people call revolutions
0: and and none of them of course are comparable to what the left in the united states wants to do no
1: no. So, and also, okay, just one one quick thing and I've said this before and without defending any of the deaths under communist regimes at all, obviously, mm-hmm. disgusting, horrible, etc. Nobody counts deaths under capitalism in the same way. Mm-hmm. So we don't go capitalism is responsible for all the deaths in the opioid crisis because it created the system in which people got got drugs pumped directly into their veins no, that's, that's by... obviously a
0: personal responsibility problem exactly that, that, that. well that's the thing well, perfect per- try to impugn dear capitalism that well, exactly. way? exactly
1: and also like people who die because they didn't go to the doctor because they couldn't afford their fucking deductible so like it's or the know...
0: famines of the great depression exactly or so the, nobody, nobody the Irish counts potato famine as or... capitalism
1: right. deaths which we should honestly like I'm fine counting the deaths under communism in this way but we should also count the deaths of despair under capitalism and Deaths of starvation, not going to the doctor, they should all be counted too, and we should top them up in the, exactly the same way. Agreed. I'm Fine done. with me. That's it.
0: Because a lot of what we're going to be talking about here is the old uh, capitalism or uh, communism, rather. Has killed X number of people, and that number will change every time I say it because yeah. it's convenient to me at the moment to cite a different number.
1: But it has—I mean, it, it has killed millions of people through yeah. through this. But but stuff just doesn't get counted in the same way. Sure,
0: but you're right. There's no honesty in the way that they go about discussing it because where he's going to get most of his numbers from is the uh, the Black Book of Communism, right? Which I think was was your your it was joke. The the yeah, the it was chapter. my
1: joke. Yeah, that was and.
0: My joke. The numbers in that book alone are disputed. He cites it, I think, as I think he calls it like the definitive uh, or leading authority on socialism yeah, I think he says and like communism-related deaths. Million,
1: right. Is the, right.
0: Well, is the part. numbers he uses when he's going through this don't even agree with what the Black Book of Communism says. So he just he's throwing out whatever bullshit he wants at any moment that he wants uh, because. According to the Black Book of communism, we'll start with, we'll just start with these examples, right? He starts with Angola.
1: Yeah, this is a um, weird one to start with. And I know he's trying to do an A to Z, but like, don't open with Angola. It's not your strongest example. Like, you've <laughs> got to open with your strong examples.
0: Right. And so the MPLA, in Angola, and this is another case, of course, where it was a military coup it was and a they, civil they...
1: fucking war it was post decolonization civil war where people tried to right. take and essentially um fucking zimbabwe and uh, the the colonized powers of zimbabwe and um south africa essentially threatened to support rebels and invade so the ruling party was like this is a war zone we will treat it as a war zone and any rebellion as a military assault, which isn't to say that it's good, but they didn't, you know, anyway, whatever.
0: Well, the thing is, it, uh, the, the, all the countries that were decolonizing during the socialist period of the underwent some
1: upheaval unsurprisingly the
0: the reason why so many of them went socialist is a the soviet union cuba other established socialist powers at the time saw an opportunity to intercede in a way where they could come in and provide support and say hey we're your friends those capitalist colonizers are not you should be like us
1: which honestly has some merit to it
0: yeah but then they start shipping a bunch of guns and bombs and things that, that destabilized the region, which was a bad choice. The capitalist powers they the were only ones shipping yeah, exactly. a lot of guns and bombs to fight for. The capitalists, the people who owned the land, who once, colon, you know, it was decolonized, would no longer own it if the Soviet plan got, uh, got their power, right? So that's a part of the problem there. But we get next Cambodia.
1: Yeah, Cambodia is just bad. There's no Cambodia is just bad,
0: and I've I've been to Cambodia. I've been to the Killing Fields, uh, and it's it's a gut wrenching experience. If you ever have the uh, chance to go there and see everything that went on, it
1: was horrifying,
0: right? Yeah, I I
1: I would just say America has its own responsibility for some deaths in Cambodia, as we know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, true, true, but you know the Khmer Rouge. It's a complicated. It, the whole story is too long for us to get into on this podcast. Suffice it to say, they have a pretty strong case for saying that these deaths caused by communism. Yeah. Because the Khmer Rouge ideology was a very strict and very whacked out version <laughs> of marxist leninist communism, where everyone who wasn't a farmer wasn't worth anything. Yes. Everyone had to go be a farmer. They killed people for having glasses because they thought it meant they could read. It was a bad deal. Yeah, bad then, stuff uh, happened that, there. That
1: was a genocide. That's not great.
0: Yeah, you have you can you can argue that one all day. I'm I'm not going to sure, disagree yeah, we'll with you. Yeah, we'll give you that one. But again, we don't support that.
1: No, so nobody it doesn't wants matter. that. I'm not <laughs> flying my Khmer rouge flag out the window here.
0: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But then he gets to China, and this is where he starts throwing out some more concrete numbers, which show just how bullshit he is. So he start according to the Black Book of Communism, they estimate the total number of deaths from uh, communist governments at around 94 million people, right? Uh, Glenn Beck, and and their estimate for the number of deaths in the People's Republic of China is 65 million. Mm -hmm. Glenn claims that that 65 million number is just the number that died because of the reforms under Mao. So he's disregarding the fact that that's the overall number that the Black Book of Communism places on deaths under the People's Republic of China. And then he goes on to just keep throwing out more millions and millions and millions of people that he claimed died until the number is way far above the number reaches into the hundreds of millions by the yeah. time he's done claiming all these deaths in the people's republic of china
1: yeah and which like yes lots of people did die under the great leap forward that was bad everybody thinks that was bad nobody's like yes this is yeah. our model
0: turns out that uh, revolutionary governments generally aren't the best farmers yeah also not out. the most
1: compassionate people
0: no absolutely not Generally. and again we don't support any
1: of that no it's a-
0: <laughs> i i get i get it it's it's astonishing to me that this is what he's going for right and i, I it's almost disheartening to me to try and argue against this because it's pointless
1: yeah and it's also you know, again this- like had there never been a famine in china before like it you know
0: Right. And, and But what I'm getting at is going into this book, I thought, oh, this would be great. This will be Glenn talking about AOC and, you know, uh, Ilhan Omar and the, what the people want. But it, and it turns out we're just getting, you know, fucking Cuba and little, China. Little black and,
1: book. That's what it is.
0: And lying that this is what the left in the United States wants. And it's very hard to have a lot of motivation to argue against that when all I have to say is, "nuts." Nah, it's not, it's not what anybody wants. And then no. we're done. And Gle- Glenn Beck looks like the fool that he actually is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit, it's a bit disheartening to, uh, to try and go down that road. But, so the Chinese, nobody, nobody disregards that, uh, Uh, A bunch of people have died in China. I think he says nearly 100 million is his final number that goes against what his self-proclaimed authority, the little little black book of communism, says. The next one, Cuba. Yeah. And another country where it's a military (laughs) revolution. Yeah. uh, Against, against, by
1: the way, a military dictator. Um, yes, Batista. In in, in Fulgencio Batista, yeah, exactly. So he's like, oh Castro insta- installed himself as a dictator. Kind of, but also like there already was a dictator who was straight up murdering people. So I mean it's it's not like it was like carnation revolution under Fulgencio Batista. Like it's it was not it was not a great place to live. And also, again, I'm pretty sure America just owned all of Cuba's industry. Under pretty much, pretty right? Much, yeah. Under Batista, was, he basically sold it, sold out to corporate American interests, and there was yeah. nobody in Cuba had anything except his friends.
0: Absolutely, and I think it's another example where Glenn spends a good deal of page time talking about famine and difficulty in obtaining certain foodstuffs and supplies on the island, and completely disregards that once again, that's because the United States didn't for many years allow anything to make it onto the island and still to this day yeah, doesn't allow it's hard imports from the have states to the a island.
1: functioning economic system when the biggest economy in the world refuses to recognize your existence and legitimacy. It yeah. Tends to be tricky. He missed that step out. He could have added that in as a step in the socialist revolutions. The US does <laughs> really not recognize your government's legitimacy.
0: And works as hard as it can to destroy you yeah. economically and politically and militarily. Yeah, yeah. Generally an active part.
1: Have the CIA coup you essentially? Yeah.
0: Coup again. We have to go through this. Cooing is not a verb. Cooing you is not a verb. Get, You do not get to use. What do
1: pigeons do? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: so we get to the last one we're going to talk about today. It's uh, so before boring. We end it's this the same the shit
1: again. Again, his argument. It, literally, his argument here. His closing argument is: Why do you think the National Socialist flag was red? Yeah. Like that that is his closing argument on the topic.
0: Yep, and he he actually does the thing that is the trope, that is the joke that we make fun of, where he says most quote most Americans don't know that the Nazis were indeed national italicized socialists. socialists. <laughs> Take care so we've talked about the the Nazis, of course. There's a big 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 gap between fascism and socialism. We talked about this, uh, and certainly between okay. To start from the beginning, we did a little book by Dinesh D'Souza called "The Big Lie," uh, or was that the name of the movie? I don't remember. Uh, it was a terrible book. If you want, oh, by the way, it, on has this, been, it
1: has been interesting to see um, "The Big Lie" used in a bunch of different contexts yes. recently. I found that interesting,
0: and I think that's Dinesh D'Souza's influence because Possibly. I didn't see a whole lot of people making that argument in a big way before Dinesh. And Dinesh, we know, especially back when he wrote that book, he had a little bit even more relevance than he does today. Um, I think I think that book did a lot to the right wing psyche. So I think a lot I think I think Glenn Beck actually read Dinesh's book there. That's what I'm getting at. Just like us. Glenn Beck read that book. He probably did it a little less critically.
1: No, but But anyway, I I mean, the um, the the reverse is true. Also, like the the. Um, Democratic politicians are using The big lie as like Trump Pushing the big election lie oh, for, I, I found that interesting
0: Well, I think that phrasing's been around for a long time, because I I remember hearing that when I was a kid used, right, the big lie, because everyone doesn't understand the quote from, I think it's Goering, about if you say a lie a number of times, someone will start to believe it. They think that that's him saying, that's what we should do as the Nazis. He was actually lying about what the Jews were doing. So it doesn't matter. It still applies, and and who cares? Um, But if you want a whole bunch on us discussing this, are the Nazis socialist thing, go back and listen, I think it's the first, um, the first series I did as interstitials when we were putting out the old books we had done. So you can go into our archive and listen to all the Big Lie chapters. We spent a lot of time talking about this, but it has a couple of points uh, just to go over how uh, perhaps the Nazis and let's say the Soviet Union, not exactly the same thing. Uh, of course, the Nazis. No, they did have all an trade interesting,
1: in, in, interesting alliance. Between the, or non-aggression pact between Stalin and uh, Hitler at the time.
0: Sure, but, of course, we're dealing with the argument that the Nazis were socialists. Well, yeah, the Nazis, of course, course, outlawed all trade unions in 1933.
1: Yeah, the Night of the Long Knives has to be, something to say about that.
0: Seemed to be a thing. They engaged in mass privatization of industry from 1934 through the 40s. They were actually selling away state-owned industries to private individuals. They privatized public services including selling public utilities to private owners. The Nazis, in fact, idolized private property ownership. And there's a, I found a really great academic work, which you can go read yourself if you want. It's called The Role of Private Property in the Nazi Economy by Buckheim and Scherner from 2006. I think it was published in the University of Chicago uh, Journal of something or other. You can look it up. You'll find it. Um, it's they did funny. a lot of work
1: on this. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: And they found that, in fact, a lot of this bullshit he's saying here, where he's he's relying entirely off of someone at the Mies, the Ed Ludwig von Mies Institute, uh, who we know are are good friends and such reliable ec- economists, um, who are just saying, well, I mean, yeah, they did, everyone had private property in Nazi Germany, but, like, well, you know, like, the, they had regulations, so not really. Yeah, I mean, also, his, his, argument. his argument
1: also, and I think he thinks this is a convincing argument, it's like, yeah, there was private property, but if the state just sells it to its friends as private property, <laughs> then the state basically owns it, and that's socialism. Like, no, right. that's crony corporatism is yes. what that is.
0: Yeah. He says that there was de facto government ownership of the means of production. Uh, so that paper that I just mentioned, I read through the whole thing. It's really good, and what they talk about is that, in fact, um, this although many of the industries, because uh, we, I think we talked about autarky when we did... Uh, the Dinesh book and some other issues. Autarky is what the uh, German Nazi government actually was operating under, which is self-sufficiency, trying to build up all the German industries so that they could rely entirely upon Germany to produce all of Germany's needs. Um, and, of course, it was a wartime government as well, so they were forcing people to build military machines. Uh, but outside of the contracts that private business had with uh, the government, they were free to do whatever they wanted. They could produce, and even within those contracts, as long as they met the specified uh, requirements for meeting the contract, they could fulfill them in any means they saw necessary. So they could do it in any way that they wanted. So, the Nazis, not socialists. The Nazis, also, not what the left in America wants. No, very much not. Although
1: Dinesh, potentially what the right in America wants. Potentially,
0: I almost, I said Dinesh, but I meant Glenn. I think Glenn uh, very much uh, would make the stupid argument that, in fact, the left in America want...
1: Oh, he does. Na- he does Nazi think fascism. that's what we want, yeah.
0: And you're right. He ends with a brain dump, which is just a red piece of paper that says, ever wonder why the Nazi flag is red? And yes, the red stood for their commitments to the social idea of the movement. The social sure. idea... Of the move that of is, that murdering, is not the word socialism. murdering trade that, unionists. That is not the idea of socialism. Yes, I mean I could also I could, There's so many things I could point out. Right, I could point out that at uh, Hitler's uh, trial after the Beer Hall Putsch, that he went into a long speech where he talked about he wanted to smash every communist. He
1: hated socialists and communists. He did.
0: He despised them. It's ridiculous to really. And the big thing that that I think a lot of other scholars I've read on the subject, particularly back when we did the Dinesh book, is the Nazis were a hot mess who didn't really have any economic No, they were
1: populist. They were like, yeah, we'll say whatever we want to get in power. And people like socialist ideas because the economy, the capitalist economy as is, is garbage.
0: Right, so they were just doing whatever was popular at the moment, and generally socialisty sounding ideas were popular. And on most Still of them, are. a lot of economic, really economic of th- ideas
1: yeah. are, po- are, are popular ideas generally.
0: And on most of them, the scholars agree they paid lip service but didn't do any actual socialism. Yeah. So w- Nazis, not what the left in America wants. And with that.
1: Did That's you know it, it, it actually stands for not-socialists? That's what it stands for, Nazis, not-socialists. Oh,
0: good point, Benedict, good thank point. You. Got him. So that is where we will leave off this week. We'll be giving you the second half of this chapter in two weeks' time. Until then, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you just can't get enough of us, remember you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $2 an episode for patron only episodes, shout outs on the show, drawings to win our copies of the books we read, and more. As always, we have to give a shout out to our wonderful and amazing patrons Dexter, Allison, Corey Bidding, Megan Ruth, Rung, the Deceiver. Danielle, Big Easy Blasphemy, Becky Scott Fairley, Steven and Cindy Dimick, A.J. Brantley, Taru Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Andrew Jenko. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, Plus Ultra! Goodbye. Goodbye.